to be here with you this morning. My name is Andy. I am the lead pastor here. If we haven't had a chance to meet, it's great to be here uh, with you this morning. We're going to get into the message here in just a second. Uh, before we do, I, I, I have one plug, actually kind of two. We, the men of High Point went and saw Creed 3 uh, last night. It was a good time. Some guys went to dinner. Some went to dinner and a movie. It was a good, you know, lights out, knock them out, uh, a movie. And here's what I want to encourage you uh, with, men. Uh, we have a men's conference in May, the week of May 9th, the weekend of May 19th in Jacksonville, Florida. And I want to give you as much notice as possible for you to take time off work, save a little cash, um, and be part of it. There is nothing like men getting together for a specific, dedicated time of worship. And I want to extend a formal invitation to you in this moment. You're going to hear a lot more about it, but we're giving you way, we're giving you time, we're giving you, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm giving you enough time to make plans for this. Notice, thank you, giving you notice, right, to be part of it. It's really worth it, and I'd love for us to show up and represent uh, in a big way. It'd be a lot of fun. You also have a lot of chance to win money and things like that at it, so it's always a good time. You may come back with more in your pockets than you actually went with. Uh, so with that, uh, May, the weekend of May 19th, guys, mark your calendars. Be looking for ways to register uh, here in the coming weeks. It's worth it. We're in a series called Chairs. This Does anybody know what kind of chair this is? It's a gaming chair. That's exactly right. Now, last week, I spent some time kind of getting in and out of the pool chair. I will not be getting in this very fine lovely chair. Do you know why? If you've never gotten in a gaming chair, it's almost impossible to get out of it in a way that's even mildly flattering, okay? I'm not going to put you through that. I would look like a beach whale rolling off the side of this thing uh, regularly. Uh, it's very nice, right? We're in a series, though, called Chairs, and chairs have a way of representing, in many ways, the, the kind of condition and of our heart, like where we are a little bit, represents kind of maybe the season that you're in or the disposition that, that you got going on. Think, think about all the different chairs and what they might represent. There's the office chair. And the office chair can represent power. It can represent the need for control. Right, there's, the, there, there's the, the chair that you get in in the morning, right? Your coffee chair, your, your routine, right? And you don't want to mess with that, right? You need consistency. You get up and you've got your, you know, your XYZ and you don't stray from it and you've got your spot that you sit in that's your chair, right? Your chair of routine, chair of consistency. You've got the chair, right? The, the, the high chair, the baby chair, so you remember those days. Some of you are in them right now. What's the baby chair represent? Well, chair of immaturity. Me, me, me. I need, I need, I need. Last week was the pool chair, the chair of apathy, the pina colada life, right? Give me the book. Give me the poolside chair. This is the, the disposition where I just don't want to be bothered with all the things going on in this life, I, 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 I would rather kind of just stick my head in the sand of the beach life. 
right? And not have to deal, and, and apathy creeps in, and suddenly you discover that you just don't really care as much anymore. That's what apathy does. And in fact, apathy is such a thing right now, globally, might I add. Apathy is a global phenomenon right now with the youth and of this generation. Meaning more teens are, are spending time with therapists and counselors and talking about the fact that they simply don't have much passion, no urgency, no cares about much of anything. And if you're under the impression that I'm going to sit and talk about video games, right? The video game, the gaming chair. No, 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 no. What we're talking about today is what this chair can represent. If the pool chair, right, describes insulation from the cares of the world, the gaming chair represents distraction from the cares of the world. If I can just get in this chair and distract myself from the pain, the problems, the difficulty, the things going on, oh man, I'll be able to catch my breath. And the reality is that for a moment and for a season at times, that's needed. How many of you have just, I mean, let's be honest, you've needed a show before. <sighs> like it's just been one of those seasons and you kind of get to the end of the night and you're just thankful. I've got this show to watch for like 20 minutes and brings a little joy to my heart, makes me laugh a little bit and the day's over. And it's a nice little routine, a little, brings a little pep to your step at the end of the day. We all, all had moments like that. And yet we also know that there is an inordinate disposition culturally for us to live our lives in this chair. We are a generation, young and old, that have learned to live and cope with a life full of distractions. We love it. In fact, we have these smartphones. And let's be really honest. This is far less a device of communication these days. Who even uses this to talk on the phone anymore? Nobody does, right? Or you might put it on speaker for a minute, right? But it's far less a device of communication and far more a needed device of distraction which is why every single time you pick up this phone, you know what happens in your actual body? You have a dopamine hit. Facts. Every time you're sitting on the couch and you're like, well, where's my phone? Who picked up my phone? Where is it? Right, And you find it. There's a little dopamine release that happens literally inside your body. Oh, and now I can just scan Amazon while the show is going on. And I just, I don't know how to describe it. I just feel so much better. Don't you? It's like a drug. The other thing that happens, unfortunately, is that in the rise of technology, there has been a correlating response that has proven uh, psychologists. This is not new. I'm not getting into all the case studies for you. I'm not citing all the articles in psychology today. However, if you want to do the work, you can. A, a simple Google search will get you all the data that you need 
that the correlation between the use of social media, as your increase in social media goes up, your decrease in compassion and empathy goes right along with it. How? It's what psychologists call compassion fatigue, where we get so inundated with trauma, you just scroll right through it. That it no longer does what it's supposed to do to you. You just learn to move right along. And we have compassion fatigue. In other words, we learn to not care. And we get in this chair and we have, make no mistake about it, it's not just phones. Oh, the, 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 the gaming chair is filled with relationships, things we play games with to distract ourselves. Relationships, work, your actual phone, the gym. The gym is a wonderful place for you to distract yourself from the real problems that are plaguing your heart. And if I can just work out a little bit more and get a little bit more fit and look a little bit better in the mirror, everything will just be fine. Wrong. You're distracting yourself from the real issues at hand. Guilty. Chances are you do the very same thing. And people want, one of my, my most consistent conversations as we get into the book of Ephesians today, one of my most consistent ministry conversations are sitting with people who want to feel passion in their life, but don't. They just don't feel a sense of urgency. They don't feel passion. They don't feel anything, and they want to. In other words, they've somehow gotten into this chair, and they don't know how to get out. The truth is, all of us, from time to time, get in this chair. And the good news about today is that we're going to do something about it. Amen? Father, be with us as we get into the Word. God, help us to get out of the chair of apathy. Help us to care about what we should care about. Help our hearts to beat for the things that your heart beats for. Help us to be passionate followers of you. Amen. The scriptures, we see Paul, the, the, the writer of Ephesians. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing to the church in Rome. And actually, before we get to Ephesians, we'll start in Romans. One of the things that Paul writes, he says, hey, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to do what? To wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. In other words, another day has passed. You're a little bit closer somehow to Jesus returning. And he says, hey, listen, the time, the, the hour is, is around, it's here. Wake up. Don't fall asleep. In other words, don't crawl into this chair and just go to bed. There are things for you to care about and be passionate about and to have an urgency about. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says it again 
but to a different church. And he says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful how you live. In other words, be mindful of getting in this chair. Be careful how you live. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, open the curtains, and let the light of Christ shine upon you like it's daylight savings time. Woo! You know, it's time to get up, baby. I know some of you, you were so excited today to lose that extra, that hour of sleep. You just couldn't wait. And you saw that there were donuts at church today, and you were like, Jesus is alive. He's good. We, as the men in the church, we went and watched Creed 3. Before we watched Creed 3, I had to dust off Creed 1 and Creed 2. And so I'm, I'm, I've got Creed 2. It's available for free on Amazon Prime, right? Push play. And the weirdest thing happened, and it's happened before, but I could not get it fixed, is the movie is playing, and there's no sound that's coming through my TV. TV's not muted. Surround sound is on. Turn the surround sound off, turn it back on. I do all the rebooting. I do the master closeout of Amazon. Nothing. I cannot get the audio to work. And I sat there thinking, apathy is like your life on mute. You can, you know, you, you see things happening. You have an idea of what's taking place. You can read the body language, so to speak, but you're just not getting all the things that you should be getting from the soundtrack and the conversations and the, and the interaction that's taking place. It's like your life is, is on mute. That is what apathy does to you. You simply don't feel what you're supposed to feel. With me today. So what on earth does Paul recommend that we do other than waking up, which we talked about last week as well? What do we do? Everybody say, God, make it happen. God, make it happen. Just making sure you're with me this morning. Sometimes you need a God moment. That isn't you. It isn't you getting out of this chair. It is a divine lightning bolt kind of moment. Look what Paul says. He's praying this, to the, and he's writing this to the Ephesian church. He literally is getting ready to say to them, hey, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. And before he gets there, he actually tells them what he's praying for. He says, hey, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I haven't stopped giving Thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would have Jesus Christ revealed to you, that you may know him better. He's not talking about unbelievers here. He's writing to the church 
in Ephesus. He's writing to Christians. Now, wherever you are today, maybe you have put your faith in Jesus, maybe you haven't, maybe you're right in between, you're kind of on the fence. Paul is writing to a church, and a church that's beginning to fall a little bit asleep. And he says, wake up, O sleeper. Hey, ever since I heard about your faith in Jesus, I haven't stopped being thankful for you. And also, I'm praying for you. I am praying that God Almighty would give you the wisdom that you need and that he would give you fresh revelation. It's the churchiest word in the world, isn't it? Where do you use the word revelation? Anywhere except at church. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible called Revelation. Most of us are like, wow, that's the weird one, right? Like it's the, it's the kind of, it's kind of the weird, crazy book. Nobody goes to Revelation. Most people don't, you know, hey, I'm going to start a devotional. Revelation. No, you don't typically go there, right? It's a, it's a, it's a little bit different. It can, it's prophetic in its language. It's, it's hard to understand. And so the word revelation for us, it kind of gets put in this little bracket of, of, Christianity or faith that's a little out there. And yet throughout the scriptures, what we actually see is God showing up in people's lives through revelation. He is showing up in a way that is powerful, that's shock, that's awe, that is bam, it's like a lightning bolt. Some of you know, because you've had moments in your life where you've just been able to say, I don't know how this happened. God did it. I don't know how to explain it. It just was a God moment. God showed up. In other words, God made it happen. When we read in the Bible about dreams, as Westerners, we're like, what's a dream? We don't even, you know, you, you, you ask, hey, did you have a dream last night? And they're like, no, I don't dream. Okay, you do, you just don't remember it. But even in this moment, when, I, when I'm talking about this, we're like, dreams, I don't get it. This isn't one plus one. This isn't Western thought process. And yet, if you spend time overseas, one of the most significant ways people are coming to faith is God showing up to them through dreams. And when we read the Bible, what's amazing is how many times God shows up and speaks to people through dreams in the scriptures, he, in other words, shockingly reveals himself in powerful and life-altering ways. What does he do? It's revelation. Bam! He shows up. Sometimes what you need isn't the, the, the message that we had last week about, about you know, the one decision at a time, one godly faithful decision at a time that gets you out of this apathetic chair. You need that. Don't discount that. But there are other times in your life where what you need is the God of heaven and earth showing up in a way that is absolutely, undeniably an encounter with the Holy of Holies, the God that, that, that literally breathed the stars into existence and is showing up in your life. That is what we also need. And the fact that I'm saying it, and our response is this, yeah, shows how removed we really are 
from the God of heaven and earth showing up that way in our lives. God can and does show up that way. And you need him to. Do you hear me, church? Don't fall asleep. You're sleeping on this. Hear it. God is alive and he is active and he is powerful and he is not removed from showing up in your life in miraculous ways. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I wrestled putting this message together. I'm going to be really honest with you. Trying to figure out how to communicate this. I know we were going to have an hour less of sleep. So Pastor Andy has to be careful. He doesn't come across too sharp in this moment. Because we're all a little bit more tired than maybe we normally would be. So you want people to hear it a certain way. And, and, and you want to be able to get it out a certain way. When people encounter God in a revelatory way in the scriptures, do you know what their initial response is? Somebody throw it out there. What's what's the initial response that we see many times in the Bible? Anybody know? Terror. I'm going to die, right? People think they're going to die when God actually shows up and reveals himself. The true holiness of God is revealed. And you know what happens in Revelation? You recognize in your, own, in your own body and in your own soul, you recognize your propensity still for sin. You recognize how holy God is and what a wreck you really are. Do you hear that today? Hear it today. You are an absolute wreck of a person. You are. You are a sinner with one destination, and that is eternity apart from God. That's what you have in store for you apart from Jesus and his grace. Do you hear that today? You are an absolute sinful wreck apart from Jesus. And when you have a revelation of how amazing God is and the holiness of who he is, the the inverse is also true. You realize how far and different you are from this God. We recognize it. And we need to recapture that church in order to get out of this chair. We need a revelation of how amazing God is and we need a revelation of how wrecked and jacked up we are and how desperately, urgently we need him. I don't ever not need him. Even though I put my faith in Jesus, Jesus, I still desperately need you. Look what happens in Genesis chapter 4. Verse 13 and 14. You have Adam and Eve and you have their two sons, Cain and Abel. And we, oftentimes we miss this. Cain's the first murderer in all of Scripture. God's creation made in his image and he's the first one that says, I've had enough of looking at that. I'm going to take it down. 
He kills his brother. God says that you are now under a curse. In other words, you and I are eternally separated. And here's the curse that Cain experiences. God, God is casting him out, the Bible says, from his presence. Meaning Cain can't be in God's presence anymore. That is his eternal punishment. And he says, my punishment, in verse 13, is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me, they're going to kill me. Cain is is grappling with his punishment and what is the curse that he experiences? It's separation from God's presence and it's just too much for him to bear. And this, ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about hell, and hell doesn't get talked about in church all that often anymore. We're unable to hear it culturally. It it feels too heavy, it feels too hard, it feels too offensive, it feels too sensitive. But what you have to understand is that eternity apart from God's presence is hell. And Jesus speaks of hell. He uses the word Gehenna, which was a literal place outside of Jerusalem where trash was burned. And so when, when, when the word talks about the fires of hell and they're using the word Gehenna, you're supposed to understand that this place with rotten trash where dead bodies are taken, where aborted children are put, where all the just filth and muck and mire and the dogs that are the, 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 the gnashing of teeth that we talk about in the scriptures, they're running around this place, the clicking and gnashing of teeth. Those are, the, those are the teeth of dogs clicking as they're running around these trash heaps. This is the description that Jesus gives of hell, of separation from God. My punishment is too great for me to bear. When we talk about revelation and God reminding us and showing up in powerful ways, we must be reminded of the glory of the God that we serve. The state of where we are apart from him. And also, church, what is actually at stake? When we talk about passion and purpose, the other thing that takes place when when people experience revelation and they finally got through this part of, of, I think I'm going to die, and then God says, actually, you're not. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. You know what the the next response is? When you have beheld the glory and wonder of God, when you recognize who you are and yet God in his mercy still works in your life, when you recognize that, do you know what your natural response is? You Number one, you get out of this chair quickly and your natural response is to talk about it. It's to share it. It's to be unable to to talk about the God that has changed your life. This God that showed up. This God that moved. I can't keep it to myself. And when you understand 
What is at stake, not only in your own life, but in the lives of other people? If they don't know the compassion and mercy and redemption of this God, they are going at some point to be able to say, my punishment is too great for me to bear. I needed God, but I didn't know the gospel. I never heard it. How will people ever respond to this Jesus who has the ability to save and change and transform and reveal himself if the church doesn't be the church and speak about what God has done? If we're not praying for those who need Christ, can God do it? Of course he can, and he shows up in powerful ways. But how about the church stepping in to what God is doing and partnering with him and praying and laying down our lives with such passion and such urgency that those who do not know him would know him. We sing about him. We give to the church and to the kingdom. We have Bibles galore and Bible translations coming out our ears here in the States. And yet we have forgotten the most simple truth of the gospel, and that is Jesus Christ came to save. But if we don't remind ourselves what he's saving us from, we will stay sitting in this chair. Jesus Christ came to save the sick and the lost, those who are separated from God Almighty because of their sin, your sin and my sin. My family and I went on a, a cruise, and I, I know that sounds nice life, Andy. It was our first one. It was a big issue. It was awesome, okay? And one of the nights at, on this cruise ship at 1230 at night, captain comes over the loudspeaker. It's 1230, which if you know anything about me, I'm unconscious at 1230, okay? Andy doesn't exist at that hour of the day anymore. That doesn't happen. But when your captain comes over, shh, this is your captain speaking, at 12.30, I'm thinking, oh, what's going on? He says, this is your captain speaking, and it's a balmy 74 degrees outside as we are heading into the next port several hours away, and we hope that you're enjoying your time upon the symphony of the seas. We're looking forward to seeing some whales tomorrow. This is at 12.30. Also, if anybody has O negative blood, we need them to report to level two, the hospital deck, as soon as possible. It would be a humanitarian effort and potentially save someone's life. So if you have O negative blood, it would be greatly appreciated. This is your captain. Over and out. I'm going to tell you what happens when you realize you have a revelation of what's really at stake. Guess what, guess what happened at 1230? Oh, I was asleep before. And then my captain started speaking. And someone's life was on the line. 
And the immediate response was to be as awake and sharp as possible. I bolted upright. I couldn't even remember what, what kind of blood do I have. I don't even remember. Check the, check the stuff. What, 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 what are you? What are you? I opened the door to the cabin. I looked down. We don't know what's happened. We don't know what led to the events that got someone here. But somebody needed some blood that would save their life. And I think we can make the jump here and make the correlation here that if we understand and really get a revelation that people's lives and eternity is on the line, it doesn't do us any good to stay in this chair. We need to wake up to the reality and the power of the gospel, that there is blood available, this great and glorious Savior whose perfect blood was spilled for all mankind is available for them and it is available for you. But we've got to get out of the cabin. We've got to get out of the bed. We've got to get out of the chair and we've got to make that blood available to those who need it. Can somebody say amen? This is the heart of the church. And when we struggle with, oh, I just don't, I don't feel it. I just have no urgency. I just don't. The issue is that we haven't had a fresh revelation of God's power, who he is, what he saved us from, and who desperately needs him. Charles Spurgeon says, I would sooner bring one sinner to Jesus than unravel all the mysteries of the divine word. For salvation is the one thing we are to live for. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go there unwarned and let no one go unprayed for. Ephesians 1, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. There are revivals taking place throughout our country right now. I don't know if you're aware of that started at Asbury College. There's been a time of worship, and it's literally been a revival that has now begun spreading. And Those word revivals have a lot of meaning for a lot of people. But understand that there's been a time of refreshing and renewal that's been taking place. It's been a powerful encounter, having spoken to people who have gone and who are trying to get there. It's, it's been an incredible thing to see. But that reviving moment 
has produced multiple things in people. And it's the same thing we're preaching about today, that we would have a fresh revelation of God's greatness, His holiness, our His goodness, that we'd have revelation of our condition before a holy God, and that we would have fresh revelation of the need to take it, the good news of the gospel, and give it away. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for what he's done. pray for fresh fresh revelation in us today in me and us fill our hearts today Lord help us to see you help us to respond to you you might be sitting here this morning and this is hitting hard for you And you need to respond, not just for the sake of other people, but you need to respond for you right here, right now. God's convicting you of your life, the condition of your heart and life. If you need to respond to him right now, raise your hand and pray with me. And yes, I'm asking figuratively. We don't do this all the time. But in the same way, to get get out of this chair of apathy. Have some sort of physical response today where you are making a move, a declaration of faith, does anybody need to respond in a deliberate way today, an intentional way today? Raise your hand. Let's pray together right here, right now. Yes, I see all that. Say, Jesus, thank you. You are the exalted one, and there is no one like you. I turn with all of my being to you today, Jesus. And I put my faith in you today, either for the first time or faith in you afresh today. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Come on. Come on, somebody. God's good and he is faithful. Let's tell somebody about it. You're going to hear from Catherine in just a moment. But in the coming weeks, we're a few weeks away from Easter. We're not far. One of the things that we're going to be giving you is a little prayer card. Because we're serious about this. We're going to be praying for people that, that you can invite to church to be here, to hear the gospel, to hear about Jesus, to hear the good news. It's not for you to hand out to people. It's Put it on your fridge and get some names out there so that you can be praying and believing and we can be praying and believing with you. I refuse to get stuck in this chair. So let's get out of it together.